Hello, and welcome to Plastic Surgery Tales, the podcast about plastic surgery. Today, we're going to share the intimate and empowering stories of those who have chosen to take this journey. In each episode, you'll hear firsthand the remarkable journeys of our patients, but not just the patients. We're going to be sitting down with some of the world-renowned plastic surgeons who have helped us change these lives. Welcome to Plastic Surgery Tales. We have here today, we're sitting down with Dr. J.C. Alvarez, board certified for, said, 2012. Correct. Today, our focus is basically talking about the topics um, of following the major procedures that are common. BBLs, liposuction, tummy tuck, Mm -hmm. uh, breast augmentations. And through your... uh, expertise, Dr. Alvarez. Um, we want you to tell you some of the, you know, what every patient wants wants to know, you know. They come here asking all these questions, and we just want to get to the bottom of it. Um, so before we dive into the essentials and navigate our steps through the recovery, um, one tale at a time, um, first I want to say thank you for coming and sitting down with us. Well, and thanks for the invitation. Yeah, and we can't wait to um, hear what you got to talk about. Sounds good. So, Dr. Uh, Alvarez, what are some of the immediate steps to take, you know, following post-surgery? Well, I will say that everything starts actually before surgery. You're somebody who comes here and say, hey, I want to have this surgery and I'm going to take care of my surgery and I will start going to the gym after my surgery. And I will do my diet after my surgery and I will be a good girl, stop smoking and be good in life. I think you're starting in the wrong place. You need to do all those things before because when you get accustomed to a routine, to have an exercise routine, to have a nice diet, to do exercise routinely, you're most likely to accomplish that after the surgery. Besides, you're going to be toning and preparing your body for the procedure. It's the same as I tell all my patients. You can go and say, I want to run a marathon tomorrow, but you're not likely to achieve the goal. But you tell me, okay, I'm going to train for a marathon and start training like six months before. And then one mile first, then five miles, then 10 miles. And then at the end, you're going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. So what you're saying, Doc, the post-op is just as important. The the pre-op is just as important as the post-op. Correct. A lot of people try to leave that out uh, as far as like when they're getting ready for surgery, you know, I have this this remedy, you know, I like to meal prep before I get re- before surgery, um, maybe two months before I try to drop a couple pounds. Correct. I try to get into the habit of eating healthy Correct. and um, watching my diet because to think that the day before surgery, you're automatically going to snap into the zone of things. It's just not realistic. It's not realistic. And it's not realistic to maintain either. Correct. And that's the most important thing. Yes, I have noticed that many people that undergo surgery have a self-confidence boost. And the reason is, hey, they're walking through the street and say, hey, girl, you look better. Mm. Hey, you look taller. What the, what are you diet are you doing? Sometimes they forget about me and they say, no, yeah, I've been taking this diet and went to a gym and they forgot they have <laughs> they plastic surgery. <laughs> but still, it doesn't matter. At, yeah. at the end, my goal is that to get them to the point that they feel, hey, I did something that I had tried to do for many years. Now I feel that I get more attention and then... When they go shopping for the new dress and they fit better, they say, okay, now I need to take care of this. Now I need that to take happens. Care of it. Yeah. But going back to the original statement is only when you start the process before, you can continue it after because you're not trying to figure out what to, you know what I mean? For example, fajas. Mm. After a, a, Fajate. Yeah, <laughs> so the, the question about fajas is a very uncomfortable device. You know, mm. I cannot imagine getting into one of those. Actually, I... I got said I'm very proud of women that can do it every day in a very small small part, uh, fraction of time. Yeah. But if you try to accommodate your body to the faha before surgery, then afterwards you kind of... It becomes easy. easier. You know, that is a good, good tip to start wearing the faha prior to surgery so you can get adjusted into, you know, if it's too tight, if it's uncomfortable. It's not the most comfortable thing to wear, Correct. but... After surgery, you will realize how important it is, and your body doesn't feel too nice. It feels like jello when you don't have it on. Correct. Yeah. Why is that? Well, it's um, the best uh, allegory or uh, mnemonic that I have is when you ride your your car, 
you're accustomed to have your seatbelt. Mm. And when you use it, you feel like naked, you know what I mean? Right. You feel that not safe. It's just something weird about using your seatbelt when well, people that you should use uh, seatbelt when they drive. Uh, it's the same thing with the faja. It's just the compression. It's the what compression. helps uh, the tissue to feel snug. And that snug feeling is what actually decreases pain because when you're jelly, uh, everything is kind of hanging. Moving and, around. That, and that hang pulls on nerves mm. and those nerves generate the pain. But if you are snug, it's like having it a baby close by. They feel when protected. you wrap the baby up in the, in the little exactly worm blanket. The right. Okay. What would be some um, some things a person going into surgery should, or coming out of surgery should expect? Like when I come out of surgery, what is some of the recovery things I should be expecting or monitoring things I should be looking for when I come out of surgery? Well, very important things. After every single surgery, you're going to have a disbalance of the fluid and electrolytes of your body because you are then underwent removal of tissue. It can be fat in the case of liposuction mm. or actual skin and fat in the case of tummy tucks or breast reductions. So when you lose that tissue and you get all this fluid throughout surgery and you don't eat too well after surgery, the body gets a hit mm. and it's the hit of trauma. So when you are under trauma conditions, either because somebody hit you or you got into a car accident or you got surgery, right. the body reacts with inflammation. That inflammation generates a lot of things. One of those things is swelling. And that swelling is accumulation of fluid in areas that don't belong to. So within the tissues, usually the fluid is within the veins and the arteries. How do you decrease that? The faja? Yes. Uh, another thing is not drinking fluids with too much salt. So you don't retain fluids in the wrong place. However, you need some electrolytes to balance all those things that shift up and down because of that. Because you're retention. dehydrated. Well, and dehydrated, hydrated because the swelling is water, isn't it? Mm. But it's water in the wrong place. Hydration is water in the right place, in which right is place. in the within the veins and the arteries. Gotcha. So when you have that disbalance, you need to um, balance it again. So uh, Gatorade 2 is one of those ones. But to, to replace the electrolytes. To replace the electrolytes. But try to get that one that doesn't have too many, not too many calories. No alcohol. Definitely not alcohol. Can't because take those shots, no bar parties. Uh, alcohol no. makes you pee more, more, too much. And then you're going to be dehydrating yourself. So obviously, once again, you're going to train for a marathon. You're going to start drinking the days the, the before the right. marathon because you're going to be... You want to be running. in tip-top shape. Exactly. So how long do you recommend somebody who trying to get back because you got this new body? Let's just talk realistic. You got this new body. You bought new clothes. You're dressed. You're like, I'm going out. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the surgery. Uh, if it's a tummy tuck where you have to do a way more work, you need to tighten those muscles, you need to remove some skin, you need to uh, remove some fat, it takes a little bit longer, around three to four weeks just to start getting back to your normal. normal. Um, when it talks to liposuction or transfer of fat to your body, it can be a little bit earlier, around three weeks or so. Two to three weeks, depending on how tough you are with the pain. Doc, listen, everybody's pain tolerance is different, right? Yes. With the BBLs, that is a that is a recovery I don't even know how to explain, not being able to sit on your behind. Mm -hmm. Is it true if I sit on it too early that it'll get flat? Yeah, and the thing is, it's like when you're molding Play-Doh. Have you ever played with mm -hmm. Play-Doh when you were a child? Do you yes. know what Play-Doh is? Yes. Yeah, so you just create a ball. And then you just start putting pressure, let's say half of your body weight in your butt because half of the body is right. on top of your body, isn't right. it? Right. More or less. This is why they recommend the uh, the BBL pillows. Correct. So the, the butt is in there and in that way, it doesn't flatten the same as Play-Doh will do it. You put some pressure of a ball of Play-Doh against a table. Yeah. I, I tell ladies... Um, if you're anything like me and you're ready to get back outside to show off this new body, show off this new shape, I am one to just tell you my little story. Uh, I'm a recovered demon, meaning like I recover really fast. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, how are you up and moving? How are you? I don't know. I just have a different pain tolerance. But, um, you know, being a social media influencer and just being this girl that's outside and I, I, I wanted to go out. And let me tell you, I was in the club with my BBL pillow uh, doctor. I, How long after? Maybe like three weeks after. Oh. I went to a nightclub and I knew I couldn't just sit down on my bare behind. 
I had my little pink pillow, but, and I didn't care what nobody thought. But but but, <laughs> that, but that's an important thing. Yeah. The state of mind is another important thing when it comes to recovery after surgery, because this is a good example. If you go to the gym and do a thousand crunches for your belly, the next day you cannot move very well, mm-hmm. but you feel proud that you did a thousand crunches. You brag about it against your your uh, workmates. Yes. And then you feel good about it because you know that you did a good job. Mm-hmm. Imagine the same type of pain after you do a tummy tuck. The thinking process is different. Oh, somebody cut me open. Oh, somebody put sutures. Oh, somebody, I have these tubes coming out of my thing. Oh, poor me. Mm. Oh, I don't want to do. So that's the, the thing. It's the same pain, different mindset. Different mindset. So and you did I, all that work correct. to not take care of it. Well, but the point that I'm coming through is I don't want you to go back into the gym to do exercise immediately after a tummy tuck, but you have a different mindset in which, okay, I have some pain related to my surgery that is equivalent to going to the gym and do a thousand crunches. What is the difference of behavior if it's the same? So the way you eat, wearing your faja, taking your your multivitamins, starting, because, you know, they're saying, they say, um... Abs are not created in the in the gym. They're created in the kitchen. Correct. So the same aspect in mind frame should be applied when you have a BBL, you have liposuction, you have a tummy tuck. You should get into the, the swing of things on, okay, I'm going to start changing my daily routine and my daily habits. Correct. On, you know what I mean? So you can, Doc, I love it. And actually that's when I see my patients, the ones that do the best are those ones that already have a routine. And they want just routine. to come to get rid of the what they cannot take out in the gym. I think I think a lot of ladies don't get enough information on how to handle and manage their lifestyle afterwards. So like even like knowing that you just had a BBL, I go find dresses and outfits that I can wear my faha underneath. Correct. You know, instead of trying to get into the slinky, skinny straps and it's like, oh, well, I won't wear the faha today because I can't wear it with the dress. No, go find outfits and clothes two-piece long-sleeve outfits. That way you can wear your faja, you can wear your board, you can wear the things that you need to wear. Well, just to go uh, close into reality is how many people use faja to disguise their rolls in their belly? A lot. It's not different than what right. you do afterwards. So it's kind of the same concept. You are somebody, going back to the beginning, if you try to do things ahead of, you will be ready to do things. And that's what they teach in the army, you know. We don't want you to go and figure out how to fight when you are in, in war. We're going to teach you all the Before things, how to there. survive when you are thin. Right. How to survive if you don't have water. How to survive if you don't have thin. How to use your uh, uh, firearms. Right. How to grow up into and do the best thing to have the best outcome. So we don't send them uninformed. We send them informed so they know how to do under stress conditions. Surgery is stressful when you are known and it's unknown. Because, well, unless you have many services. Right, right. But uh, if you know what you're dealing you with know, you know. and you are prepared, right. you're going to do better. You're going to and do that's better. the key to you all You know my better, patients. you do better. Of course. You spoke something about um, pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some, like, pain management uh, advice you would give to someone who doesn't have such a, a high to- tolerance for pain or has never done this and doesn't really have the knowledge or... Um, expertise on okay i just had this major surgery Mm -hmm. and let me tell you guys going into surgery it feels like it got hit by a mac truck correct (laughs) so uh the medicine wears off at some point correct and you have to tolerate the pain what is your advice to those people so we mentioned already so if you are trying to do some going to the gym and feel that training of pain related to exercise you switch the mindset of tolerance of pain Mind over matter. Mind over matter. That was one first one. The second thing is many doctors and many patients rely on narcotics for pain control. I disagree with that. When you learn about pain, actually I learned this in pediatric surgery. When I was doing my rotation in pediatric plastic surgery, I had this surgeon who was a young woman who was very knowledgeable about many things, and she taught me this. Pain has been studied and there are multiple pathways how pain can be treated. There are four different pathways. So if you give a little bit of medication that affects or alters any, all of 
each of, it, of these pathways, you are most likely to have a decrease in the narcotic consumption. Yes. Because, yes, can you be go through the pain of surgery by just taking huge amounts of narcotics? Yes, you sure, can. Yeah. But you're going to be that's dull not a long and, time. and stupid, you yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. But it wears off. And you will have all the side effects on, on narcotics and the possibility of getting hooked to it. Mm-hmm. So if you use little amounts of different things, you decrease the need for all those things. And at the end, you have a better result. I know people want to hear like real live moments. Um, When I had a BBL or any surgery I've had when I had to go under major anesthesia, the first awakening is crucial. Mm-hmm. It is terrible. Uh, you feel like death. It's, it's just like, give me my medicine, get me the drugs. But I will say, because I have such a high tolerance, and like you said, it's mind over matter. After that first day, I get those narcotics in my system as as obviously prescribed by doc- a doctor um, at, at, and taking the dosage that is prescribed to me. Uh, the next day, I, I this is just me, I don't even take the... Um, the, the pain medicine. I take, obviously, my antibiotics, but I, I don't take my pain medicine after the after the second day. One, because I don't want to get rely on it. Uh, I take me uh, extra strength, Tylenol, Correct. and I'm, I'm usually fine. And that is sufficient enough to control the pain. Well, for example, in the, in the technique that I use for pain control, I, I use Tylenol. I use ibuprofen, even though mm. many surgeons think that it increases the uh, bleeding. Source. Bleeding, yes. Um, I try to take care of bleeding during surgery, so I know that I can give them uh, Advil afterwards. Uh, the next one is uh, muscle relaxant in case of breast surgery when I'm working with the muscle, or tummy tuck when I'm working with the muscle, mm. because when you relax the muscle, you don't have the as pain much stops. pain. This, this, this happens exactly. inside the body, yeah. And the last thing is the narcotic. So I usually leave the narcotic as a saving maneuver. That if all fails. Exactly. And then the other thing is giving you things that we know that they are not harmful. It's done with measurement, uh, Tylenol and ibuprofen on the clock. Even if you don't have any pain, you're ahead of the pain. You're ahead of the pain. And by being ahead of the pain, you are less likely to have... Be in pain pain that requires a narcotic. What do you what do you recommend? What movements do you recommend people to stay away from after having these uh major procedures like a tummy tuck or a BBL or lipo? Yeah, so basically tummy tuck I would say is the main one when position changes significantly because you are removing tissue and you're mm-hmm. putting things closer. So is the resting position. So the resting position for a tummy tuck is sitting position because it's 90 degrees. I remove the skin at 45 degrees. So if you're in 90, this, the skin this, is this, resting. Isn't, there is no tension on the tissue. So basically the key to the point is don't put tension on the suture lines. So you don't put tension on the suture lines. There is no stretch. If there is no stretch, there is no pain. What other activities would you recommend a patient to stay away from? Anything that is heavy lifting. I, I restrict heavy lifting for uh, six weeks, no more than uh, 10 pounds. Um, and then picking up things with a lot of effort. Um, that includes babies, you know what I mean? Because babies are more than 10 pounds. Right. So you just free freehand lift a baby, you may have a problem. So when you try to do things, have them close to your body because it's easier to carry something close to your body than far away. This is why it's super important, guys, when you guys have surgery, to make sure you have a help meet. Make sure you have someone who's going to help guide you through the surgery process so you don't have to do the heavy lifting. can help you get in and out of the faja because it's pretty difficult in the first stages. If you're, not a, if you're not a recovery warrior like me, where you're putting on the faja yourself and you're like, I got it, guys. Correct. It's actually easier for me to do it myself than somebody struggling. They take too long. I just like, let me just do it myself. But you have experience. I have experience. But for those that don't have experience, it's very important for you to have a helpmate, someone who is going to guide you through that process. Um, is there a time frame of complications that somebody should be on, I guess, a watch hour after surgery, looking out for certain things and certain red flags that yes. could go wrong? So usually is the first 30 days is the, the main time where you, things can happen. So in the process of surgery, the main complications, usually fever-related, are uh, related to the breathing. You have been breathing for several hours under a machine that is breathing for yourself. Right. And some of the areas of the lung is going to be collapsing. When they collapse, mucus accumulates on it. And by accumulating mucus, it can generate infection. Mm. So it's very important that you breathe in 
deeply, hold it for five or 10 seconds and breathe out. When you do that, let's say 10 times every hour, that collapse uh, lung is going to expand a little bit and it might, might, might make you cough a little bit, but that is good because it removes all that mucus, mucus. that might create a complication called atelectasis. Then, what is, uh, the, what is it called in my Atelectasis. Atelectasis. Which is collapse of the lung. Uh, the collapse of the lungs. Of the lungs. Wow. Is that common? Actually, everybody has it. It's normal. Wow. But that's why you do deep breaths. Also, you can buy a machine in which you suck through the yes, machine yes. and you have to ball, uh, play a ball to a certain level. They usually level. give that to like sleep apnea patients. Correct. Okay. But you can do it for free by doing what I just mentioned. The second thing is infection of your urine. If you have some lung surgery, we, sometimes we put Foley catheters. We try to clean up things as much as we can, but sometimes people might have some urinary infections. Um, that's is a that possibility. Common? It's not that common, but it's a possibility. And that usually happens between 10 and 14 days. Doc, I got this one question. I know the ladies, they really want to know. Why do I always get my period after surgery? Stress. 50% of the patients that I operate on, they have an unscheduled uh, menstrual period the day of surgery. I try to, I always try to plan this well, thing to have. Stress. Oh. I'm like, I don't get it till 16. Let me schedule my surgery for the fifth. Stress. It, always. It always comes. It always comes. Stress. Oh, stress. I got another question. Truth. It's not a complication, but I'm not in the mood for sex after surgery. Mm-hmm. Like, it took a while for my vagina to get back to wanting it. Okay. Is that normal? Yeah. Well, if you're in pain, the last thing that you want to hear is that a guy just asking for things for you, you know what I mean? Mm. From you, I would say. So it's completely normal. It's yeah. like, imagine that your man is, was playing rugby and somebody hit him in the parts. Will he be willing to have sex with you? No. No way. No. He, or he's, he's just so tired, work hard. And is right. he willing to have sex? No way. Right. He can be a super macho man, but if he's in pain or overtired, recovering with a high metabolic demand of your body to repair something in your body... Is he willing to have sex with you? No. No. So how is that different from women that have had surgery? The difference is that in our society, yeah. there are so many demands on women to look perfect, to always be available, to work a full uh, hour time work, come home, take care of the kids, take care of the husband. That's unfair to women. Mm-hmm. So when somebody asks you for that thing, it's like, sorry, I'm recovering my body has some other needs at this time. Doc, you keep that mentality, you won't be single for long. <laughs> you keep that mentality, you won't be single for long. It seems like you know <laughs> a thing or two over there. What dietary uh, recommendations would you have for somebody coming out of surgery or prior to surgery? A dietary. So basically, once again, try to decrease the amount of sugars in your life because sugar is that devil. It's like worse than cocaine, <sighs> you know what I mean? It's just like... Once you get into <laughs> the habit of having some sugary thing in your mouth, it's really hard to not have it every day. And obviously, over time, that's what gets us to the surgery in plastic surgery. Yeah. Um, protein, increase of protein, uh, at least 40 to 60 grams a day, either with uh, vegetarian options, yeah. uh, tofu, high-protein uh, veggies, um, protein, like animal protein, it can be from fish, poultry, or or anime, cow or cattle, um, and powders. Uh, muscle muscle uh, whey protein, which is something that is available everywhere nowadays. Yeah, people don't understand um, that foods. That's why we call them superfoods. Correct. Because they self-heal the body from the inside out. Like, everybody's so focused on the exterior. Yeah, you got the plastic surgery now, but now you have to heal the body from the inside out. I'm a fan. Here's my routine when I um, have surgery. I love avocado. Mm-hmm. I love grilled chicken. Mm-hmm. I love hard-boiled eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, leafy greens, like spinach. As far as my fruit, fruits, I love the, in the beginning especially, I love my pineapples because they help. I never get a drain. I know some doctors recommend drains, but uh, for me, I've never had a drain. And so I find when I eat the pineapples, 
The bleeding literally stops in the, in the next three days. And the bruising gets better. And the bruising, And yes. the reason is that there's a substance called bromelain. That inside, is, inside the pineapple. And that's, the only problem with pineapple, it has a lot of sugar. So you eat a lot of pineapple over time, just you can gain weight right, because right, of right. that. But uh, bromelain is the same as, it has the same effect as arnica, which is another anti-inflammatory that helps with bruising. Is it true that that affects your vision if you drink too much of it, if you take too much of arnica? Have no clue. Okay, because that that was a, a myth that I wasn't sure if it was if it was facts. They said uh, the arnica's great, but if you take too much of it, it may affect your vision. So I would add to those list of uh, superfoods. Yes, ginger, great anti-inflammatory. Tea or the root? Uh, actually, you can do tea out of the root, which is the best way. But you can buy it in uh, in powder. In powder. Or you can okay. use as as a tea version. Good. That's a good way. Blueberries. Antioxidant. So the, all those things are anti-inflammatory. So all the, are good things to have in preparation or after surgery or in the recovery time during surgery. Are there any post-operative garments or aids that you would recommend besides the Fajas uh, after surgery? Uh, well, basically for tummy tucks, I don't like to use Faja right away mm. because the Faja puts a lot of tension in the tissues and that much tension when you remove the scar. Uh, exactly. You can put pressure on the scar that we just repair with sutures. It can break the skin. So I like to wait one month for Fajas when it's a tummy tuck. So what's shaping your body in them in those moments of this? Because well, what I, if you... I did it. I did it by cutting things and sewing things inside. So that's what it does. Um, like yeah. you said, it stops the swelling. Correct. You try to take care of that Well, before. the swelling, just the Faja does a little bit of the job. Uh, positioning, but for the tummy tuck, I'm not that worried about that swelling because it's not that terrible. And usually, by by the month, you can start your massages, and your result will be just as good. So, what if someone was having a tummy tuck and a BBL? I used to do that before, but I stopped doing it. And the reason is, when you do a tummy tuck, how do you have to sleep? When you stop on, on your, your back. back, and when you sleep on your back, what are you going it to be doing? The, it it ruins the, the fat of your BBL. And when you do your BBL, how do you have to sleep? On your stomach. On your stomach. So you have cut and put you in 45 degrees, and how now you have to be in 90 degrees, you can open up your one. Mm. I used to do it, and usually I didn't have any com major complications, but the sacrifice is always in the, in the non-cut area, which means your butt right. or BBL. I... Um... I, I remember my first time getting lipo and doing my breasts. I had did my breast and a BBL at the same time, the worst thing I ever did. And uh, now that we're in 2024, a lot of doctors do not want to do those multiple procedures at the same time, like you said, because it's an inconvenience to the, to the patient. Well, there are two versions of the story, you know? Many patients come and say, well, I live far away, I'm almost 50, and I don't want to go back to the OR again. Mm, so Can do you everything, do everything right everything now, Doc. <laughs> I'll say, okay, it depends. I'll take figure out how heavy they are, how much I need to do. And sometimes, depending on what it is, I can deal with it. However, if you, have you ever juggled with balls? What kind of balls, Doc? Like baseballs. <laughs> baseballs. Yes, <laughs> okay. yes. If I give you one ball and you bring it to the other side, it's likely that it's not going to fall. Right. If I give you two balls, you might be able to do it maybe once or twice, and maybe one will fall at some point. Right. What if I give you four? How many are going to fall? Two. I would say three, three or maybe four. Right. Because you get so distracted or you're tr trying to get this, you lose this, and, and then you end up losing everything. Wow. Imagine that each ball is a different area where you had surgery. So you have your breast, you have your belly, you have your back, you have your arms, you have your chin, you have your inner thighs. Everything is in, just in pain. And then your <laughs> body is trying to heal everything, everything. at the same time. You're so, overworking it. Exactly. So yeah. it's like an industry. You don't. You have a maximum production of whatever. Let's say collagen and elastin, which is what you need to create the scar. And you're spending mm. it everywhere. And then where are you going to fail? Usually through the areas that you cut. You spoke about, after a tummy tuck, uh, the positioning of the way you sleep. Could you go into other sleeping positions mm -hmm. and um, ways to get some comfortable rest mm -hmm. after not just a tummy tuck, but other positions? I know for me, having, you know, the, the pregnancy pillow saved my life. Correct. So for tummy tucks, at the beginning, I like them to be in a um, 
sitting position or a recliner because it's easy to get up and you don't have too much help for that. And, and you can, well, not as comfortable, but somehow you can rest. However, after two weeks, I like them to go down into your bed in fetal position, so sideways, with the legs like crunch a little bit because it's a comfortable position. We already said not 90 the degrees. Baby cradle. Exactly. Yep. 90 degrees is the most comfortable for the belly. Right. So you are sideways. You can do it. When I find also like after having a breast augmentation, I'm scared to sleep on one side more than the other. Actually, uh, for breast augmentation, it's fine to sleep on your side. Really? Why? Because the you want the implant towards the middle, yes? Yes. So you put your arm underneath. But doesn't everything kind of shift? No, but it's shifting towards the middle. So the arm is pushing the implant towards the middle. This one this way, middle, and then this and one is, is laying. By ah, you told me something today, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, so the, the wrong position is sleeping on your belly because that pushes direct, puts pressure directly into your breast and the implants go sideways. Mm. So sideways is okay, on your in your back is okay, but with a push-up bra. With, I don't even go to sleep without, I'm a faithful Why? member of the sports bra Because family. your chest wall is like a barrel and your implant is going to try to roll towards the sides. So you have a push-up bra. They to keep everything in the middle. In the middle. You're, we're in Miami. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the 305. It's hot. It's sunny. There's beaches everywhere. There's pool parties every day. How, what do you tell your, your patients with sun exposure? How, how, how do we... I mean, well, for the some that travel from these cold winter areas, that may not be a problem. But here in Miami... What, it's everywhere. What are so, they doing? The most important thing is to cover the incision with... The bikini or, well, actually the full piece bikini. The one, one, one bikini, yeah, okay. Um, to cover the incision all the time. Obviously, I don't want to expose the fresh wounds to water because you remember what happens in the pools? It gets soggy. Well, first of all, the skin gets dehydrated and can get ripped, one thing. Second, kids pee in the pool. Kids pull in no, the pool. No, they don't. Of course. <laughs> also with the sea, you know what I mean? So uh, try to... Prevent submersion or uh, put the incision underneath the water because right. you don't want that. But if you want to share with people, uh, you can cover very well everything with a one piece or something, and then you can share. But remember, immediately after surgery is not recommended because we said already you have this balance of your electrolytes, you are dehydrated, and you are outside in the Sun heat. It's not going to help. You're going to hit the, the, the floor. So also be mindful of you can share with people, be in an area that is well ventilated, a little bit cool, hydrate, share from the inside of your bed or your house. But you can... what do you think about sunscreen? Because I know when I got my my breast done a few weeks later, I was ready to go to go to the pool and the beach, and um, I was so nervous laying in the sun. I, I felt my chest getting hot, and I, I covered it with sunscreen. But I was nervous. I was nervous, Doctor. Well, I, I don't think that sunscreen is such a good idea when you have fresh wounds, at least for one year after. Why? Because in the process of healing. Uh, the cells that are healing are super active and super sensitive to things. So you you might not have any complications of the wound, but you're going to hyperpigment your incision. Mm. So if you have a perfect scar, but it's darker than normal, it's going to be noticeable. Usually, because of the sun. Exactly. So usually it takes good year, two years before you expose your naked scars to the sun. The best way is try to protect it with mechanical measurements, which is the 100% SPF uh, bathing suits that prevent the exposure of the, the sun to the skin. This is one thing that I feel like doctors don't tell you about after surgery. Um, and I like to document all my procedures and give be very transparent with my followers and my fans because they're always asking me about the, the unforbidden conversations that nobody's telling you about. Uh -huh. One of the things I shared uh, with my followers uh, one day after I had a BBL, I was on live and I just started crying. And everyone's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I really don't know. I'm just so emotional. I'm so, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm happy with my body. I'm not, these are not sad tears. I just was so full of emotion. What is that, doc? Like, what are those emotions and... Well, it's multiple things. Uh, you can explain it as something that is related to 
the hormones of happiness, of sadness that is in, that are in your brain that get altered because of that alteration of fluids and trauma and inflammation and things like that. It's kind of the baby blues in women that have babies, you know? They have the most amazing experience in the world of having this thing that was wearing for nine months and you want to meet them and it's the emotion, right, it's happiness right. and all those things. But they feel like... Lonely, guilty. detached, and guilt, guilty. and all those things. All yeah. the changes in the body. It's like all these disconnections. But it has to be with the hormones of happiness. The you know? psychological part. Correct. How, so, what do you recommend to help with that? Well, just be aware that that's happening. Once you are knowledgeable of something that can happen during surgery, especially people that take uh, antidepressants prior to surgery the antidepressants get a, a change in the concentrations or levels in your in your blood because of the trauma and the inflammation. And then the effect is lowered. Mm. So you are somebody who takes antidepressants uh, prior to surgery, get in contact with the person who is handling those medications so they can adjust, adjust after surgery. But you're somebody who doesn't take uh, these type of medications. If you are aware, be prepared of it. And that's, once again, before you take a pill, have supportive group around you, they say, hey, say yeah, where if I feel sad or yeah. whatever, pick me up. The same way that when you call your friend, hey, my boyfriend left me for another younger lady, whatever. <laughs> what do you get? Surround that person, pick that up. Right. And get them Make sure it. you have a supportive group around right. you while you're recovering because you're going to go through these emotional and psychological changes and you may not have an answer for why you're going through these right. things. Right. But if you know that it can happen, Say, okay. You're prepared. Once again, it's the same as going for your marathon or it's the same as exercising, exercising getting, getting, getting ready. prepared. Exactly. Getting prepared. Same thing. Same principle. Doc, the biggest question I get. Mm-hmm. Me sex. too. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> sex. When can, when, when, when can we return back to sexual activities, especially after a BBL, a tummy tuck, and, and what preventive precautions do you recommend people to take so there is no risk in that time frame? Well, there's always a risk of getting pregnant. <laughs> um, you find that a lot? You do a whole body. Yes. My, my friend, she just had a gastric sleeve, lost all this weight, and now she's freaking seven months pregnant. I said, what did you do it for? Well, we, we know what she did. but <laughs> We know what she did. <laughs> we know what she did. It's a secret. <laughs> but um, important things are I always joke with my with my patients, tell them, do you know what the number one complication of this procedure is? It, let's say breast augmentation, tummy tucks, BBLs, pregnancy. Because he's going to enjoy that Oh, exactly. They look much better. They get the attention that they didn't get uh-huh. before. Boom. Everybody wants to hit it now. Exactly. So that, <laughs> that, that that's one of those things that happen. And it's true. It's, it's yeah. something that happens. So you'll be, be aware. Because your confidence is up. But now get, you want to have sex with the lights on. Well, but... Be sure that, well, unless you're looking for it, but if you pay all this money and it's waited all this time to get the figure that you wanted, obviously pregnancy is going to yeah. not or ruin it, the body, maybe improve your life because it's a human being in your life. But be aware that it can happen. So take the measurements. So protected sex or IUD, I don't know. Doc, I don't have any children yet. I haven't pushed any out. I'm actually considering a seg- uh, surrogate to have children because I've done all this work on my body. And I'm nervous and scared that it's just going to all be out of whack once I push out a baby. I know there's, there's a percentage of I could have the baby afterwards, get back in the faha, and everything just snaps back beautifully in a perfect world. But listen, I... What do you tell the women who are like, okay, listen, I don't have any kids. I've done all this work on myself. It's very simple. It's just, uh, if you have not had a, a tummy tuck, let's say, uh, and you are in that potential age that you can get pregnant. If you say, have not had a tummy tuck. Okay. Have not. And you have not had a, a baby. So just have your baby and then come back and do it once. Because once you do a tummy tuck, it's harder to uh, redo it and have a, a nice outcome. Because you tighten things, baby grows in different ways. Right. The deforming of the belly is a little bit different, more towards the sides, maybe a little st- towards the top. It's a little bit difficult. And then you cannot remove all the skin from the belly button downwards because there's restriction on how much you can remove because you already removed some. So there are some limitations that you can do. So the the wise thing is have your babies come and we'll do the thing. Is it, if it, it happens, 
we can potentially do it. It depends on what the level of deformity it is. Mm. There are some other techniques in which you can remove skin upwards. It's called a reverse tummy tuck. But once again, I need to see well, you. We talked about us. that earlier because I got a breast lift. And I told him, I said, it feels like a reverse tummy tuck because of the way that they pulled the skin up. Correct. So it stretched, you know, the skin and everything like that. I I, um, I was asking with the, um, the tummy tuck if... I forgot my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, with the tummy tuck, and I and I've never had. So you're saying I have to have I have to have my children first before I have the, the tummy tuck. Ideally, I, ideally, because okay. So is there a, a situation where if I had a kid, I may not need a tummy tuck afterwards? Yeah. So look, it just not because you are uh, tall and ball up to you have to marry a a taller guy that is super muscular and super model. You know right, I mean? right. You can get a short one and it makes you as, as happy as possible. So <laughs> at, the, at the end, the important thing <laughs> is uh, what the problem is. And let's talk about this, uh, mommy makeover. So mommy makeover is changing those things that change during pregnancy, usually the breast and the belly. In the belly. So you will say, okay, let's have a mommy makeover, but we need to talk about the details. So... You can have been pregnant, but if your breast didn't sag and you just simply lose the volume, a breast augmentation will do the job. But if you have sagging inside the breast, then a breast lift will, will do be the necessary. job. Okay. But if you want to be perkier, not to fall in, and bigger, then a the breast, breast lift and an augmentation might work. Three different procedures, three different people, same pregnancy. What's the most common with mommy makeovers? Uh, usually, well, it depends. Once again, it depends on how. Because how I the baby seen, affected your body. Exactly. I have many people. Today, I saw a lady, three babies, and the belly doesn't look that bad at all. So a liposuction makes sense how for her. How do you her. get lucky like that? Well, Is that just genetics? They, they, they pick with their parents. <laughs> so the guy has something to do with the elasticity of my skin when I have a baby. Correct. <laughs> um. What are some tips of safely, comfortably using the bathroom during recovery? Like the Faja, I love the Fajas with the pee hole. And I like the one that zips all the way up to the butt crack. Because if you have to do a number two, you don't have to take that whole thing off. Yeah, but my question is, how do you prevent from the stool to smear or contaminate the thing? I've had some good luck. So I'm just going to say so, I've had some good, it, it because I have the file on and that's zipping it, it got good aim. So the, the <laughs> bottom line is always have a backup and be mindful Multiple. that it's stool. So have somebody revi- reviewing and revising that you don't have a stool around because that can be a source of infection. And the other thing is pad the area with paper or something like that in such a way that it smears around, then it's protected and then you have a backup, you know what what would you recommend as far as like because I see like these pee cups for mm-hmm. women after surgery are those necessary? I think it works they I work think work yeah it collects it's like a funnel okay so it collects it prevents splashing or smearing or uh, falling around so it kind of conducts the the urine to where it has to go so we're aware that a lot of your patients travel from all over the country actually I have every sick code in the country from I haven't had Alaska. No, actually, I did one from Alaska, one from Hawaii. So all the West Coast, all the Mid-American, all the East Coast. I have had some people from actually Europe and Africa. So what do you recommend them getting back on those long flights? I barely can. I live in New York. Mm -hmm. I barely can handle the three-hour flight on the plane. I mean, I'm on the when the plane takes off, I get on my knees, I have my pillow, Correct. I'm like this in my seat, I get real comfortable, and that's how I ride for three hours. But I couldn't imagine someone coming from Europe, coming from Hawaii, coming from these long places where they have to skip first class. <laughs> that's one thing. The second thing is make sure that when you go back, you are more mobile. So you can stand up and walk, because you can walk in the airplane, you know? The That's compression socks on the plane. Super important. Another important thing that I'm a very a, a big advocate of. When I was in my training in plastic surgery, I used to do research, and did venous thrombosis research was a very important part of my my exercise as a as a resident, and then publicating in plastic surgery. 
the important thing about uh, DVT is that it's a topic that it happens in which people have clots in their legs and those clots can travel through their lungs. Wow. And it happens more frequently than we know in plastic surgery. So prevention is the best way. So low risk factors. So there are some uh, scales called a Caprini score. It's like a, a table that has, hey, have you suffered from this? Have you suffered from this? Is your BMI this high? Is your surgery longer than 45 minutes? Blah, 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 blah. Do you have past medical history of blood clots in your, in your, in your life? In your life, Your yeah. family, blah, blah, blah. You get a number. And if, you low, if your score is lower, in theory, just the compression stockings and walking is enough. If it's a little bit higher than five, if I don't recall wrong, then you need injections of blood thinners. It's very important, especially for long flights, to get those injections because it prevents the clots from happening and um, then um, you will be better. Is this something the patient has to be knowledgeable of or this is something that you, Dr. Alvarez, uh, recommend to your patients I who recommend come from all, all over the All country? my patients get it. Only patients that I am more judicious to give it to is people that I have a breast because in my practice, when I give it to people that I did breast lifts especially, I have more complications with hematomas, which is collection of blood within the tissues that I open up. Wow. Uh, so that's the only place that I kind of hold on it. But if they need to do long flights, they can get an injection uh, in their, prior to your flight. So they have the prevention against the... And then once they land, what do you recommend? Walk. walk. And actually, we recommend our patients to walk immediately after surgery. Even on the plane? Get up, walk around yeah, well, a little actually, bit? Actually, immediately after surgery, which is the day after. Right. Uh, when they're in that recovery room or the rooms where they're recovering. Um, and then obviously during, during uh, the flight. What's the most unexpected question that patients um, ask you as they recuperate? Well, not unexpected. I will be very expectant. We touched the, the topic, but we, we didn't develop it, which is sex. Um, so we talk about, hey, whenever you feel comfortable that you don't have pain that is uncomfortable for you and you're going to get a, a joy out of it not right. just getting joy right. for the other person which is a philosophical question Doc, i was numb down there of course i was numb like like we tried it and i was numb i couldn't are, feel anything you're swollen. yeah um that's one thing the second thing is avoid direct contact to the wounds so you have surgery in your breast or surgery in your belly the guy cannot be in front of you so you need to be creative. No missionary ladies. Correct. Um, but there are some other positions. Actually, we're doing an exercise. I, I, I took the exercise to get a Kama Sutra print out and analyze every single position. Tell me some of those positions. Well, I cannot disclose it because it's part of the uh, research and development ah, process okay. for our new okay. publication. Well, let me know when you finish researching and developing that. But <laughs> something that we're going to be doing is assigning potential positions that you have available for the different type of procedures. Because I, when I got my BBL, I'm going to tell you, it was probably months before I was comfortable with, you know, my significant other getting behind this thing. Correct. But, but there's an important thing. I said the person cannot be touching the area of the surgery. So in a BBL, he cannot be from behind because he will be touching the back. But even the missionary wasn't comfortable because I have to lay on my back and, and because now I have this small waist and this large bottom, so, there's a gap in my back, correct. in my lower back. So missionary is not even comfortable. Exactly. So there, there are other positions and I have been describing this in this uh, potential podcast yes. or, or, or video that we're going to develop for our patients. Um, but um, oh, the important thing is avoid contact with the surface where you have surgery with. Ladies, I will give you one position before Dr. J.C. Alvarez is ready to reveal all the other positions. One of the ones that worked for me, I placed uh, on the edge of the bed, I put a pillow on my stomach. Mm -hmm. So I had cushioning on my stomach and my breast area. Not that they were operated on, but it was just a good cushioning. And I stood up and bent over instead of laying down, instead of like on all fours, instead of missionary. I found that position to be more comfortable. And then on my side, the side position was was worked for me. Actually, as well. um, one, one of the things that and I will, will be a release, a little bit early release. There is a position, I don't recall the exact number, in which the guy is underneath and his legs are closed. 
and she is trying to get a visual with that. Go ahead. And she is immediately, immediately on top of him, like emulating the body. So we're both laying. And the legs are a little bit open. So in that way, her whole body is in there. And uh, there is no contact to the surface area. She must be a small female. <laughs> well, he has to be a bigger guy. Because right? <laughs> I don't think I'm laying flat on my man like that. Well, you need to upgrade then. Yeah. <laughs> to upgrade you hear that babe it's time for me to upgrade <laughs> <laughs> um dr jc alvarez yes i am your host holiday the golden child you are here with plastic surgery tales and we could not let you leave without getting some of these rapid fire questions in. Sure. Right. we love all the technical talk we love all the information that you're giving us but the fans and the followers they want to get a little personal with you and a little spicy too okay you okay with that? We can handle. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite travel destination? Actually, I just came from uh, a long, long trip, 33 hours in Bali. How is Bali? That's like the new destination now. Yeah, um, a big of a lot of contradiction. Uh, beautiful from the standpoint of the smile of the people and how simple they can live and how they can make a living out of very little resources. Lot, tons of poverty. Even though obviously we, we were in nice places, but the food, sometimes there are mosquitoes or, or flies on top of it. So it's the contrast of something very tasty and then how the flies around. And I have to say, I have been there, I have been uh, in Dubai, which is kind of the excess of novelty and modernism. I have been in Greece, I have been in Spain, Santorini I used to live in Spain. Or... It was in Santorini and uh, Mykonos. Mykonos. But I always get to the same conclusion. Nothing like Miami. Nothing like Miami. I, lo I lived here 10 years. I'm from New York. I moved back to New York. Um, and I love Miami. But nothing's like my city in New York, you know. Um, what's your favorite surgical procedure to perform? I have many. Um, and why? I have, um, I will have... I will tell you a secret. I used to hate liposuction. Why? Because I thought that it was a very uh, mechanical surgery where you didn't have much sculpting or things. It was a little me mechanical, mechanical, mechanical. Until I started developing my technique for high definition liposuction and I started getting the numbers. And I love, I'm like Leonardo da Vinci, I love measuring and trying to figure out what is the right recipe so I can repeat the to recipe. Give the best curves. And then um, I started like, three years ago to develop it and and I fell in love with it because I love to sculpt, I love to paint, and that was the perfect blend between plastic surgery, which is what I do on art. So that's one of my favorites right now. I love rhinoplasty because it's the challenge of a very small area in which you move a thousand things and getting the perfect result is always a challenge. Mm -hmm. So I love that one. Um, I love tummy tucks because I think that I have perfected the technique to a way in which many, many times people look like they went to the gym, even though they haven't touched they haven't. the gym. And breast, breast augmentations, because he is uh, fast and every single patient is happy. I had a doctor one time tell me he could not do a breast lift on me because he hated, that was one of the procedures he hated doing because it was so tedious uh, doing a breast lift. So I had a doctor tell me he hated doing that. And I have a secret to tell you, doctor, by you mentioning rhinoplasty. You mentioned, um, especially when it's done correctly, it's such a tedious procedure. It's, there's no room for error when you're doing a rhinoplasty. Right. I had my nose done. That looks very nice. Thank you. I, I did it uh, eight years ago. And so many people told me not to do it because, mm -hmm. you know, one wrong move, you're out of here. Correct. And um, African-American noses are hard. That, yes, I've also heard that too. I went to a doctor who he specialized in ethnic noses. This is very important, guys. When you are looking for a doctor, make sure he specializes in whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's no, I mean, I'm sure there's a doctor that's just good at everything, but, there, but you have your specialties. What's your specialty? Actually, I would say that I'm an old schooler that I, I focus on specific things and get very good at those ones. So 
I would say I would say the majority of the things that I do is body and high definition and uh, skinny BBLs is something that has become like my, popular. My, my, All my skinny friends, friends they're like, can I get some of that behind you? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> with the right technique and the right uh, content and the right uh, uh, ac accepting the right uh, conditions of the procedure, I think it can be done successfully. It can be done successfully. But there are some passions, you know what I mean? For example, rhinoplasty for me, how, since I, I remember when I was doing cleft lip and palate, and rhinoplasty and in difficult. kids with those difficult oh, wow. cases. I fell in love with the thing and like the challenge. And I love face, but for Miami, it's not kind of a typical thing and you spend too much time and maybe it's not cost effective for, for what we do. But the, rhinoplasty is down one of those surgeries that I'm not uh, going to uh, pronounce to because I love it so much, same as eyelid surgery. I miss doing faces. You miss doing faces. Because well, it takes so, so much time. But, um, Zach, what do you think I need? Nothing. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> We're going to be friends a long time. <laughs> if you weren't a surgeon, mm -hmm. what profession would you choose and why? Uh, engineering. Engineering. Like what type of engineering? Music say. engineering, uh, mechanical engineering. Mechanical. Mechanical. So like airplanes and... I don't know. Well, now that rocket rocketeering engineering is, is the new thing, maybe that because of the level of opening of creativity. Aerospace. Because creativity is what most me. So I think that that's an area. I think ultimately you have to be a creator and you have to be able to think out the thoughts like a Picasso or something right. to be able to even be a plastic surgeon. Because you have to have a vision. I think plastic surgeons, musicians, uh, and athletes should just all be best friends. Yeah. Because they have this, the way their mind works, eye-hand coordination, creativity, and having a vision and being able to execute it before they execute it. Correct. Yeah. Dope. So you still would fall in the same lines of being able to be... Yeah, but I love numbers. So that's what, like what, what that's saying applied to medicine. But I'm a Gemini, so I'm a... Oh, you're... you're so I, 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 we're not going to call you crazy. But you got two sides to you. Correct. I love that. But you, you said you love numbers. One thing they say is men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Correct. <laughs> What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Raisins and rum. I swear to God, I was just thinking that in my head. I said, he's probably a rum raisin kind of guy. Yes, I am. It's delicious. It's delicious. I, I, I wanted to, I should have just said it. Your all-time favorite movie. I'm going to say it because if he says it, then I want to know that I'm a little psychic. I feel like you're like a Scarface Al Pacino type of guy. Actually, I, I, I saw that movie very late in my life. I kind of underst understood it. And um, obviously, it's kind of Cuban, the Cuban thing. Yeah. But Are I you Cuban? No, I'm Colombian. Colombian. But Miami is Cuban. No? Yeah. But uh, I love the series of uh, Back to the Future. It's a guy that goes in a time yes, travel yes, back I'm into familiar. the future. Back to the future, one or two? Actually, um, I would say the third one. The third one. Because mm. it was more challenging to get to, to the future. Your guilty pleasure in food. You said you're Colombian, so. Have you ever been to Puerto Sagua on South Beach? No. Amazing Colombian restaurant. Really? What's it called? It's called Puerto Sagua. Porta Sawa. Okay. Yeah, it's on uh, Collins, and uh, I think it's like seventh. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll look Breakfast, dinner, okay. lunch, amazing. Okay. But what's your what's your guilty pleasure food? I would say tiramisu, tiramisu. because it's coffee and chocolate. Coffee and chocolate. I know. Yeah, we have such great teeth. I wouldn't even take you for a, a coffee uh, drinker. Well, I'm Colombian, so I have to. <laughs> but I, the I, Colombian I mean, coffee, the shots. Well, no, we 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 take it very uh, diluted. The shot then is more like a Cuban thing, um, but softer, softer taste, uh, aroma, very aromatic. So I love the Colombian culture. The whole idea of the gangsters coming from there, you know, the Colombian cartel, yeah. Medellin. Like, I, I just love the whole, there's this queen of the South. Yes. She's Mexican, mm -hmm. but it just still gives me that whole Colombian vibe. I love Colombia. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, how much is this in your bank account? Your savings? You don't have to give us the exact no, no, number. No. Uh, but I don't have much because I invest. Because you invest. So you, you make your money work for you. 
I try. And last but not least, this this question is not on here. But are you single and dating or in a relationship? I try in a relationship. Yeah, in a relationship. Yeah. How's that going, Doc? Very well. Very well. Does you take a lot of time from your do you, I, I, listen? I feel like men make time for what they want. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your occupation is. So are you making time for your lady when you get home from at these long hours? Well, right now we came out of a, a trip from to, from Bali, <laughs> so we're together. So you had plenty of time. Yeah, to we tried to it. we tried to schedule it. And uh, another thing that we do is, uh, she has a foundation. It helps kids. Wow. And uh, we tried to do things together for the kids. Actually, in November, in uh, December sixteenth, we're going to Peru, and uh, the mission is to uh, try to help them not only with blankets and food. But the next step for the foundation is to create schools and places where the kids have the tools to the get a better life. To get a better life. Listen, guys, if if Dr. JC Alvarez isn't in a good example of men make time for what they want. So even if he's on the surgery table, he texts his back, he has time to take his lady on trips. Mm-hmm. And if you really have a busy, busy man with a busy occupation, ladies, find your way to do something that complements what he does for a living. Find something to do that complements his interests. You're into children. She's into children. So now you guys find a way to work together so you can spend more time together. I love it. I think it's genius. Listen, Dr. J.C. Alvarez, he is board certified since 2012. Do not forget it. I'm your host, Holiday the Golden Child. We're here with Plastic Surgery Tales, and we tell more than just one tale. We told a couple of them. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. I just got chills talking to you. Thank you.